Hey, welcome to the C3 Pottstown Podcast. This is John McKinley, your host, and this week we're going to continue a series that Pastor Robin started about the return of Jesus. Here's just a short clip of that. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? We hope you enjoy today's message, and you can always join us in person at C3 Pottstown in Pottstown, Pennsylvania. We are talking about the return of Jesus. In Revelation 22, Jesus says this three times. He says, I am coming back. I am coming soon. Because we know he's coming again, we have something to look forward to. One of the wondrous abilities God gave us as humans is the capacity to think about the future, to look forward, to anticipate things that are coming. Let me give you a little anticipation right now, okay? Ken brought in this big box of donuts, plastic box. I mean, you can see right through the sides. We have them sitting over here on this side. So when the service is over, grab a napkin and grab a donut. And man, isn't that something to anticipate? Maybe this is why God tells us that, you know, because we can see forward, we can plan ahead. Maybe that's why God tells us in his word what his coming back is gonna be like. The Bible says on the day Jesus returns, All of us who know him are going to be caught up. Don't you love that phrase? Caught up. The the phrase that Paul uses to describe what happens to us, those who know Christ as their Savior, what's going to happen with us when Jesus returns? We will be caught up with him. I want to read a couple of verses out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to read the whole section later on. But right now, it says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. There we will be with the Lord forever. Now, that is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the rapture. Now, I told you before, the word rapture is not in the Bible. But it's a word that we use to define what is in the Bible. And, and really the, the original word for caught up in the Greek means to be seized or snatched up with a sudden swoop. Friends, between that time and now, we're going to go through many days where we, we're going to feel like we're in the dead of winter in our lives. But God gave us a promise to get through this time that's going on to look forward so we can see we can live in hope and in anticipation. We call that the blessed hope. So during this fourth in a series of the return of Jesus, I want to walk you through a timeline leading up to the minute of Christ's return. 
Now remember, we don't know when he's going to return. We know some of the things that are going to happen before he returns. So we're dealing with the end times. And that in itself can, can be frightening to think about. But Jesus tells us to look forward. Look in anticipation. Because he wins. And therefore, we win. So we've got to go the whole way back 2,500 years ago to the book of Daniel. Daniel the prophet prophesied about 500 years before Christ went to the cross. And in verse 24 of verse 9, he says, A period of 70 sets of seven has been decreed. So he's talking about 70 sets of seven years each. Figure that out. That's like 490 years or something like that. And then verse 5 says, seven sets plus 62 sets. So now he's broken it up into two sections. Well, let's take a look at verse 26. It says, after this period of 62 sets of seven. So from the time of Daniel until Jesus, it says, after this period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one will be killed. Appearing to have accomplished nothing. A ruler will arise whose enemies will destroy the city and the temple. Remember I told you last week that we're living in the time of grace right now. And we've been in the time of grace for a couple thousand years now. But I also said that when the end comes, it will come quickly. And that's what Daniel told us. Daniel goes on to say, the end will come like a flood. Quickly. He says, the end will come with a flood and war and miseries are decreed from that time to the very end. We call it the end of the time of grace. We can call it the end of the church era if you want. Because this is when the church will be caught up. This will be the beginning of the tribulation. So let's continue in Daniel. It says, the ruler, talking about the Antichrist... The ruler will make a treaty with the people, talking about the people of Israel, okay? So, the ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven, for seven years. But after half of this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. So, we know there's going to be a temple before all this starts, we know that there are going to be sacrifices at this temple. And we also know halfway through the tribulation, it's going to stop. Let's continue to read. And as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration. Until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. So he is going to defile the temple. The prophet Daniel first described the tribulation period hundreds of years before John was ever on the island of Patmos and received what he wrote in the book of Revelation. So this is how we know the tribulation will last seven years because Daniel told us some 2,500 years ago. And then to confirm what Daniel wrote, here's what John saw when he wrote Revelation. He said, Then the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God. And he was given authority to do whatever he wanted 
for 42 months, three and a half years. And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God. That's the second half of the tribulation known as the Great Tribulation. At the three and a half year mark, the Antichrist stops the people of Israel from worshiping and he desecrates the temple. All this happened after the church is taken away. So I want to focus now on what's going to happen with the church. I mentioned in the beginning, we have some incredible things to look forward to. We have what we call the blessed hope. So now let's, let's get to the great catching up or the rapture of the church. One day Jesus is going to burst forth in the clouds. And what's that going to be like for us? Well, three passages in the New Testament describe for us what this is going to be like. I've already read some of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But we're going to read some more of that as we take a look at this. Now, just so you know... All the scriptures I'm using are in your notes, if you're following along with your notes. I purposely didn't put any fill-in-the-blanks in your notes because I want you to, to be able to, to grasp all this, okay? So, now, dear brothers and sisters, I want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people with no hope. See, what, what they were concerned about was, would people miss Jesus if they died? Because they figured Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. And Paul's saying, no, no. Let, let me explain this to you. He says, for since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. And then he says, I tell you this directly from the Lord. He says, I didn't get this secondhand. I got it directly from the Lord. He says, we who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. And then he says, encourage each other with these words. So God wants you to know about his return. He doesn't want any of us to be uninformed. So what will be the return of Jesus be like for us? Well, the first thing we learn is the Lord himself will come down from heaven. He's not going to send anybody else. He's going to come in the clouds, the scripture says. The Lord will descend. Jesus will do it. In Acts chapter 1, 40 days after his resurrection, Jesus ascended back to heaven. And there's all the apostles. They're standing there. They're looking up into the sky. And they're, they're seeing Jesus just disappear. And as they're standing, you know, thinking, well, I see a spot up there still. There, there's an angel who speaks to them. He says, men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven the same way they saw him go. So we know how he left. We know how he's going to return. 
Well, the scripture goes on to say he will give a commanding shout after which the archangel will summon all the believers. There will be a great trumpet sound. Hey, you've heard the the expression, man, don't do that. You'll wake the dead. Well, guess what? The dead are going to be woken. It says the dead in Christ will rise first. And you know what's interesting about this? It's going to be a physical resurrection. I don't know how the Lord is going to do it, but he will. People who have been dead for a few thousand years. Maybe the the grave where they were put, maybe the ground has been scattered. Maybe they died at sea and they were dropped into the sea. Maybe they were somebody's supper as they were serving as missionaries and cannibals got a hold of them. But somehow the Lord is going to bring all those people that are dead back together and they are going to rise up toward heaven. In an instant, no, no, quicker than in an instant. After all the dead believers have risen, then it goes on to say, those who are still alive on the earth will be caught up. They will join them in the great ascension upward. For the believers, God will reverse the law of gravity. Won't that be neat? Yeah. And it's going to happen in less than a second. Where are we going to be caught up? Well, it goes on to say, we will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That's the picture God is painting for us here. Now, what will eternity look like? Well, let's take a look at the second scripture, okay? In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says, Let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. So Paul is saying, I got a secret, but it's not going to be a secret anymore because I'm going to tell you. Let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will be in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, let's just stop there for a moment. We will be transformed instantaneously in the twinkling of an eye. Now, follow me for a moment. I'm not a medical person, so, you know, I I have to look all this stuff up. There's about three quarters of an inch between the front of your iris and the back of your retina. It takes 1 64th of a nanosecond, and I have no idea what a nanosecond is. I guess it's just fast to travel that distance. And then that is how fast we will be changed. One second, dead. Then next, boom, a resurrected body. One second, sad. Then next, our tears will be wiped away for good. 
One second in pain. Next, no more pain. But wait, there's more. When Jesus returns, we'll get new bodies, never to die again. Deb asked me this morning how, how my hip was doing. And I said, well, you know, it doesn't hurt like it used to hurt, but I can feel it. I can feel it today. But you know something? Just like that, there won't be any, there'll be no pain, nothing. And then the scripture goes on to say, this scripture will be fulfilled. It's, it's like Paul thumbing his nose at it, okay? Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Hey, I don't know about you, but look, that looks like something to look forward to. Are you looking forward to that? Amen. Does it sound too good to be true? Well, maybe it does to you. But if you know Jesus, you know he can do anything. Amen. Well, the condition at Christ's return. During the tribulation, here's what's going to happen. In Revelation 20, it says, And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years had ended. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them, the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. So the best way to explain the first resurrection is, and it comes in a couple parts, okay? The first resurrection, the rapture precedes the tribulation. So I told you in Thessalonians, in Corinthians, that the dead in Christ are going to rise. Those who are living are going to be caught up with them. They're going to meet the Lord in the air. It's going to be in the twinkling of an eye. That's the first part of it. The second part of it is those who don't get resurrected at the time of the uh, rapture. These are people who are killed for Christ's sake during the tribulation. I just read it. Those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God, they had not worshiped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads. You see, some people will get saved during the tribulation. But let me tell you, it won't be easy. Everyone will be required to take the mark of the beast. Now, we have a great illustration going on on our earth right now about just the way you could see this 
and how it would happen. And it's with this COVID vaccine. Now, I'm not saying the COVID vaccine has anything to do with the mark of the beast. It doesn't have any chips in it. As far as I know, it's just medication that they're pumping into your body. But what are they doing? They're trying to make it a mandate that everybody gets the vaccine. I mean, I think there's places in New York. You can't go into places, some places, unless you show them evidence that you have been vaccinated. In California, they've, the, the governor has just made a requirement when it's okayed by the uh, health officials, whatever it is, that children can't go to school unless they're vaccinated. So people are taking the, the rights away from other people on this vaccination. Well, with the mark of the beast, there are going to be no choices. You need to be, uh, you need to receive the mark of the beast either on your head or on your forehead. I mean, on your forehand. Without it, you can't rent a place. You can't own a house. If you if you miss the the uh, rapture because you're not serving Jesus, you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you miss the rapture, and you own a house, you might as well move out because they're going to take it from you unless you take the mark of the beast. You won't be able to work because that's how you'll get paid for working. It will go onto your account according to your mark that you have. You won't be able to pay any bills because it's going to be a cashless society. We've been talking about this forever. The first time I saw them scan something in a grocery store, I thought, oh, Lord Jesus, you're coming any time now. And that, that was just the beginning. I mean, now I don't carry much cash with me. So, so that's what it's working toward. All right. You won't be able to pay utility bills. You won't be able to buy anything. Food, fuel, medication. You won't be able to buy anything without the mark of the beast. And if you don't have the mark of the beast, you will be arrested. So you'll have to continue to run. If you're watching me online and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, Maybe you ought to make a decision right now because you'll be running for your life. And when they catch you, then they will probably torture you to get you to take the mark of the beast. And if you don't do that now, <laughs> did, you, did you hear what I read in Revelation? How are the people going to get to heaven? Because they didn't take the mark of the beast and because of their testimony about Jesus, they're going to have to testify about Jesus in a hostile world that isn't going to want to hear it. So they will torture people to get them to denounce Jesus. And eventually, they will kill people. The Bible says, cutting off their head. You know, I, I saw... Um, a movie one time, and I don't remember what it was, but some of the torture was they'd taken this person to the gallows for their head to be cut off like four or five days in a row. And each time they hit the button and the thing came down, but it was fake. 
And they did, they just kept torturing, torturing. You know, it'd be much easier to accept Christ today than to wait. I mean, I've heard people say, well, well, if, if the church is raptured, I'll, I'll accept Jesus during the, during the tribulation. Man, if, if you can't accept Jesus today in the time of grace, when maybe someone will make fun of you, you are not going to accept Jesus when your life is in danger and you're going to be hungry and you're not going to be able to live anywhere except for out in the woods. And then you're going to be asked to denounce Jesus or die. Tell me it'd be a lot easier doing it then. I don't think so. So if you don't know Jesus, let's, let's make a decision here. Because here's the scenario. And I know there are all kind of theories out there. And, you know, I've heard people say, well, I just believe in the pan theory. It all, all pan out at the end. But, you know, whether it's the pan theory or the pre-trib or whatever, whatever theory is out there, you, 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 and me, we've got to make a decision. We've got to make a decision. So if you don't meet Jesus in the clouds, in the rapture, then you will either have to die for him during the tribulation or you will meet him at the white throne judgment. Did you hear what I re read in Revelation? The, those that don't know Jesus, they're going to live in, I mean, they're going to be in the grave until after the thousand year reign. You see, they'll be resurrected then, and that's called the second resurrection. Anybody who's a part of the second resurrection are going to stand before God at the white throne judgment. You know, the Bible says every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess. They will be on their knees at that particular time in front of the white throne judgment, asking and pleading and begging for their lives, and they're going to be sent into the burning fire of sulfur for eternity. And that's why it's so important that we understand this stuff. And maybe you don't understand it, but accept it. You wanna meet Jesus in the clouds when he comes again. And that will happen if you accept Christ as your personal savior before you die or before he comes. So that you don't have to meet him at the white throne judgment. You know, all who are resurrected or lose their life during the tribulation, all those people will not even see the white throne judgment. They will be with the Lord forever in heaven. So what are you going to choose? Don't delay. Don't delay choose to follow Jesus. Stand with me, if you will. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we do live in anticipation of the day that you will come in the sky, Lord, and your voice will be heard across the earth, and the trumpet sound will call, and the archangel will be there. Father, we, we pray, Lord, that as we are living in anticipation for that day, 
in this world that we're living in right now, Lord, morals are getting worse. Uh, People's thought patterns are getting worse. Lord, we pray that you would help us to endure. And Lord, we know your Holy Spirit's going to be pouring out. It's going to be abundantly poured out. So Father, we pray that you would empower us like you did the disciples on the day of Pentecost to share your message. Lord, to share the good news that people don't have to go through an eternity of torture and suffering. Lord, be with us as we go our separate ways and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's C3 Podcast. We hope you tune in next week as well. If you would like to partner with us financially to spread this even further, go to c3potstown.com slash give. Have a great day.